Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Thomas Jelmy about fostering a resilience environment within the workplace. Thomas Jelmy, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, it, it really is great to have you back. We had a great discussion. What was it? Uh, uh, several weeks ago. Um, uh, a few weeks. Yeah. yeah and uh, I, I'm excited to continue the conversation. Today, we're going to be focusing on fostering a resilience environment within the workplace, looking at both, you know, from the leader standpoint of how uh, leaders can foster resilience within themselves and their own approach, but how they can also model that for their people and then create an environment where their people uh, can be more resilient to respond to the those challenging pressures that, you know, are all around them. And I think this is probably an, as important of a topic as it's ever been. It's, it's always been important, but given the current environment, the current um, pandemic situation uh, and the difficulties that everyone's been facing, uh, I think resilience is, is key. Uh, we all need to have a good, healthy dose of grit and determination and just the ability to roll with the punches and to move beyond the challenges and the difficulties that we all face. As we get started, I just wanted to share Thomas's bio with everybody. For almost two decades, Thomas Jelmy has been an executive coach, facilitator, and sparring partner supporting leaders and teams in their development at various levels and in numerous industries. He focuses on developing personal and interpersonal competence in leadership, teamwork, and customer contact. For his practice, he draws on an extraordinary biography which ex uh, with exciting milestones, including a seven-year employment at former Swiss Air. In the worldwide leadership and training of cabin crew and in a contact with international customers at 30,000 feet, he experienced firsthand how important a high level of personal and interpersonal competence is for effective human interaction. Additionally, he has many years of professional experience in various management positions and as a team leader and trained caregiver in accident and other extreme situations. Based in Switzerland with a home near Zurich, Thomas works with people all across Europe and regularly in North America, Africa, Asia, and Australia. His clients include global corporations as well as SMEs and private individuals. Again, it is a real pleasure to have you back. I really appreciated all the insights you brought to the table last time. And I think today we're going to have some great conversation around resilience. Anything else you would like to add, Thomas, before we uh, dive on in? 
Uh, no, not really. That was very comprehensive as an introduction. So let's kick it off and let's talk. Okay, cool. So let's start with your your understanding, your framing of resilience, hmm. why it's important. Uh, you know, from a from a human perspective, but also the business case for resilience. Why yeah, yeah. do we need to foster this within <clears throat> our teams? Yeah. All right. Well, um, I might want to you know start off with the definition of of resilience. What is it? What are we talking about? Um, the term itself has its origin in physics. And this, it describes the ability of a material, of a substance or material to bounce elastically out under pressure and then bounce, or be elastic under pressure and then bounce back into its original state without any damage. So to give you an example with my aviation background, uh, a Boeing 747, you know, the big jumbo uh, jets, the, the wingtips of such a huge airplane can elastically be moved up and down several meters without breaking and without even causing structural uh, damage. So that may be... Uh, <laughs> A comforting thought for all of those uh, listeners or viewers who are afraid of flying. Planes are made for that. Planes are constructed for being able to resist heavy turbulence, for example. And then over, over time, and especially in recent years, resilience has also been uh, a term that has been increasingly uh, often used in psychology and in terms of a human beings, a person's, an individual's ability to be elastic under pressure and not break, uh, not burn out, um, but really, yeah, roll with the punches, as you just said, and then come back to your center uh, after the, uh, the peak uh, has leveled yeah. has leveled off and another image another good image for resilience is bamboo the plant mm -hmm. bamboo yeah it goes with the wind with the storm and after the storm has gone it's standing upright again it doesn't well, break yeah those and those are great examples i love the physics um definition of it and the, the ability to to bend but not break right and to, to mm -hmm. get back to where it was and that that's how we we um build out uh, earthquake um, resistant buildings, right? Seismic yeah. adjustments to buildings. Yeah. It's exact same thing. Like you want yeah. a big skyscraper to be able to bend and sway, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. And that, and it's the same thing for humans because we mm. all face challenges. There, there. You know, we all have our own turmoil, our own personal earthquakes, our own high winds or hurricanes in our lives. And we yeah. need to be able to bend without breaking. We need to be able to roll with the punches. We need to be able to bounce back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before and probably everybody has heard it before. Growth and development happens outside the comfort zone, right? Fair enough. We have to leave our comfort zone, make new experiences in order for us to grow. Yeah, absolutely. The, the problem is recently, especially since this uh, global pandemic has started, uh, for many people in organizations, being outside the comfort zone has become the new normal. 
has become a, a, a plateau rather than a peak every now and then, you know, a peak where you're a bit more stressed and you have an increased workload, which levels off again, has become a plateau for many. Uh, increasing workload, but of course, also other aspects that have an influence on well-being, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why um, developing this resilience, the ability to cope with any um, adversity has become so, so much more uh, important. And another word for it is also uh, the window of tolerance. So your own individual window of tolerance. We all have it. Uh, and it can be more narrow or it can be wider, this window of tolerance. And it can also be a bit volatile throughout the day, right? depending on our mood, et cetera, et cetera, and other aspects, it can be more narrow or wider. And it can, by building resilience, be widened, right? can be made wider, increased. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that. So mm -hmm. let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Um, that I, what I'm about to say is not at all what I think <laughs> or believe, but <laughs> if I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm, I'm a, I'm a money focused organization, bottom line focused, I want to make more money. Uh, and, and I hear about this topic of resilience and I, and I think about, you know, everything that our employees are dealing with there, there's a certain mindset that I could challenge that. And I could say, well, who cares? Like if, it's if it's happening in their personal life, that's not my business. That my business is when you come to come to work, check your emotions, check your personal life, all your own stuff, check it at the door, come and be quote unquote professional, do your job. And if you can't do it, I'm going to get rid of you. I'm going to find someone else who can do it. And we're not going to have to deal with all that stuff. Uh, how would you respond to that? Well, I would say it all depends on what you want and what your goals are. Uh, with such a higher and fire mentality where humans are really only seen as human resources, emphasizing resources or instruments that do the job and they're being paid for, period. And all the rest doesn't interest me. I just want to make profit. If that's the approach and that's the goal and you're willing to pay the price, which is usually high turnover, of, of, of headcount, yeah, uh, you can be profitable like that. Unfortunately, it is possible, right? There's, but there's a price to pay. If you're willing to pay that price, you can go freestyle. If you care for human beings and you also see uh, a certain social responsibility as an entrepreneur, as an organization, to care for your people, to some extent, at least, to provide healthy workplace conditions, to also understand that um, health-related mistakes in the workplace, health-related absences in the workplace uh, also have their cost and also have an impact on profitability, end of the day. Then you might want to... Uh, yeah, apply a different approach. Yeah. And, and, and of course, it's also maybe one thing to add, it's also culturally, uh, uh, culturally different, right? Not every nation, not every culture has the same 
social um, safety net, so to speak, right? Right. Uh, and that's certainly a, an aspect that also uh, comes into play. Yeah, those are great points. And, and you're correct. It is possible to have a profitable business where you have that mentality towards your people. Um, but it's also not mutually exclusive um, to either focus on your people and value them as whole human beings in their whole experience, you know, and, and create a good, healthy environment. Um, it's not like we have to choose between that or profits. In fact, there's so much research that shows, and you just brought up many uh, important um, types of situations. There's so many ways that focusing on that healthy environment, focusing on the resilience of our people will mm -hmm. ultimately add to the bottom line. It'll actually help cut costs in a variety of ways. It'll allow us to have a healthy, um, you know, innovative culture that can help us bring new value to the marketplace to make mm -hmm. more money. So, you know, whenever I hear that kind of an argument, and I, I do hear it fairly often, mm -hmm. um, whenever I hear that kind of an argument, I like to push back on it um, yeah. because it's not an either or. You can do both. And there are many, many really great examples of companies that have been able to do that. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. And it goes even one step further. You cannot only do both or have both. You can even be more profitable by yeah. caring more for your people. Absolutely. Now, this, this may sound counterintuitive for some people, but look, if you want people just to do the job and to do what they're being told, fair enough, you can be successful. But in markets where products and services become increasingly comparable, what makes the difference in the end when product A, B, and Z are all more or less the same, there might be a slight difference in price, but then, what makes a difference? It's the people. It's the people that make the difference. And now we're touching on customer orientation, customer focus, customer satisfaction. And of course, every entrepreneur will tell you, yes, customer comes first. Customer is in the center of our attention and everything we do. Forgetting that 
customer focus begins way, way earlier inside the organization. To quote, uh, to quote Richard Branson, the customer doesn't come first. Your employees come first. Because if you take good care of your employees, they will take care of your customers. Automatically, you won't even have to do anything or tell them to do it. They will do what is necessary because they want to do it, because they, they, they feel like this is important and this is in the best interest of the organization that I now go this extra mile for our customer because I want to do it. And it doesn't, it may not even feel like work, you know, because I'm so intrinsically motivated and I have a purpose. Now, I take this Branson quote even one step further. And I say, as a leader, customer doesn't come first. Employees don't come first. You come first. In terms of self-care, building your own resilience, making sure you yourself are balanced, well-balanced, and in a good place in and with yourself. Because then and only then you can operate from secure base and you can really, really be there for your people, inspire them, give them purpose, be visionary, support them in need if needed. Yeah. And then yeah, the, the chain of events goes on. So you come first as a leader, yeah. then you can be there for your people, and then your people will be there for your customers. Yeah, and, it, it, it's mean, it's absolutely all connected, right? It is. And it, it's, it's a rather silly notion to think <laughs> we can just be customer focused without focusing on the health and of the, you know, the, the physical and emotional um, health of our leaders and the people within the organization. Yeah. <laughs> that requires a, a dynamic culture of learning and growth um, of health and inclusivity where everyone can bring their whole authentic self to the workplace and know that they're going to be supported uh, even if it's with something that has nothing to do with work you know just whatever the stuff they're dealing with in life they know that when they come to work a place where they're spending the majority of their life that they have uh, genuine leaders who care about them, authentically care about them, and are going to be there to support them and help them to be their best selves. So again, oh, yeah. it's, it starts with the leader, absolutely. Um, and then it, it moves to taking really good care of your employees, having that positive employee experience. And the research is so crystal clear on this, that when you have, uh, you know, better uh, employee experience, employee engagement, employee satisfaction, it leads to more customer loyalty, customer satisfaction, and customer integration. Um, it, I mean, it's there's so much research on this, it's not even a question. And so, yes. so we need to make sure that we're focusing on it in that way. And when we do that, it's going to be a win-win-win all the way across the board. Yeah, yeah. There's even a, a shorter quote by, I, I don't remember his name because it's a Japanese name. It's difficult to, to, to pronounce, but he's the founder of Kyochera Mita. 
Kyochera, a huge uh, producer of uh, copy machines, fax machines, etc. in the past and now other uh, product portfolio. But he said, along the lines of Branson, he says, if you want eggs, you have to take care of the hen. If you bully the hen, it won't work out well. <laughs> so simple, right? So simple. And yeah, it it it, it, it is sounds simple. so obvious and simple, right? It's 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 simple, but apparently not easy for many. Well, and it, it's not easy because of all the complexities of human nature in organizational cultures and tradition that's working against us doing that. Um, <laughs> and, and so if we can just shift our mindset towards investing in our people, um, investing in ourselves, investing in our people, taking care of the hen, like you just said, um, then great things can and will happen no, it's not always going to work out perfectly. And there are going to be times where you're going to have people you need to discipline or you need to let go. That happens. That happens in every organization. Um, but it's, it's a different, it's a fundamentally different kind of a situation when we consistently are trying to support our people. And one thing I try to remind leaders, executives, even students in the classroom when I'm teaching, uh, I try to remind them that turnover costs exist whether someone chooses to leave or whether you kick them out the door. <laughs> so whether it's voluntary or involuntary turnover, uh, it, it, has, it, it, it uh, impacts the organization and there's a toll to be paid. Uh, there are costs involved. And uh, now assuming you're getting rid of someone because they weren't working out, now there's certainly costs for keeping them around, but when they're leaving, there's still costs and you still have to find a new person that can fit with the team and get them um, uh, spun up yeah. so that they're performing at a high level. And so the, the reason I bring this up is because it, it speaks to the importance of the investment in our people. Some organizations, their tendency is, you know, kind of have a, like a no tolerance policy. Um, you know, you mess up, you're out, or maybe you get one chance. And then once you mess up more than once, you're out. Again, can you function that way? Can companies be profitable that way? Yes, but there's gonna be a lot of costs involved with that. But if you can create an environment where you're continually learning together, where you're coaching and you're mentoring and you're trying to help your, 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 your indiv the individual on your team who's maybe underperforming, helping them to set goals, getting you know, upskilled and trained uh, and, and doing other things so that they can become a high performer, that's way better for the organization if you can do that. Yeah, 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 absolutely true. And it goes even further and goes even beyond just these, uh, the costs, the obvious costs that are involved uh, that you just mentioned. It also has a lot to do with employer branding. In, a, in times when many organizations are having difficulties finding the right people, finding good people in the job market, yeah, or in the in the labor market, um, how you treat people while they're on board has a direct impact on the image you have because people talk. 
people talk. And nowadays we also have various platforms that measure employee satisfaction where employees can put up their comments. And when before you apply, you can check out the platform and get to know a little bit what the culture is like in this organization, et cetera, et cetera. So this has also become much more transparent. So finding and binding the right people has become a challenge for many. And how you treat them is, is of course, impacting this directly. Also, how, for example, you treat people when you have to lay, lay them off, right? How you treat them. And um, so there's much more than just these uh, costs of transition uh, involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so coming back uh, as, as we wrap things up today um, to, to bring it back to resilience, um, you, you made the case, I think you made a compelling case for why leaders need to start with themselves. Uh, if, if, we, if, if our people look to us as they do, they look to us and they see us um, really bending under the pressure of anxieties, stresses related to the business or anything in life. Um, and we're not managing it, handling it in a productive way. Maybe we're as snapping. Leaders, you mean we as leaders? We as leaders, yeah. yeah. It, mm. if, if I, as the leader, I'm not handling it in an effective way, mm. I'm buckling under the pressure, I'm snapping at my people, uh, I'm losing my temper, I, things are going undone, uh, I'm, uh, things are falling through the cracks, all that kind of stuff. If, if that's what my people are seeing, um, then that's going to have a ripple effect for them and how they're approaching. And the things that I'm not getting done ends up getting pushed onto them. Like it, it, it's the, the ripple effects can, are continuous. And so I need to practice self-care for myself as a leader. Uh, I need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself, that I'm, uh, that I'm up to the challenge of the heavy lift, the heavy load, that leadership, you know, the weight that we bear on our shoulders. Uh, and then I model that for my people and I'm open and transparent and vulnerable and letting them know, like, I'm, I'm not a machine. Like I'm a human being just like you. Uh, and I'm going to be there to support you. Please help and support me. And you, you create more trust. You create more uh, meaningful relationships within your team. You give them the permission uh, to be able to develop their own resiliency and their coping mechanisms, their healthy coping mechanisms for the challenges that they, that they face. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and as you just said, it all begins with ourselves as leaders. And, and some people uh, say, yeah, but you're promoting selfishness here. And I say, yes, I do. <laughs> selfishness with the intention to be there for others, right? That's, that's the reason. Absolutely. And it, it's, if all we ever do is focus on ourselves always, that's very selfish. <laughs> but if, if, we're, if we are focusing on our own health in order to be in a position to help those around us, that, that is very generous in action. And I don't know about you, but it's something I've wrestled with my whole life. Um, you know, when I have a family, I focus so much of my time and energy on my wife, my six children. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, if I'm taking time for myself, I am taking time away from my family. Um, and so that's always been something I've grappled with, something I've struggled with. Uh, but 
I also intellectually fully understand. I, I get that mm-hmm. I, to be my best self for my family so I can be supportive exactly. of them and help them, I do need to take care of myself. And I've gotten better at it over the years. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a training thing also. And, and maybe one more image because images speak louder than words. Everybody has been on a flight. Everybody has seen and, and heard the uh, safety instructions before takeoff. When they demonstrate and, and explain what to do when the oxygen masks are coming down, the yellow masks in case of decompression. And the instruction is very clear. Before you help anyone else putting on, put on their mask, you put on your own mask. Because depending on the level of decompression, the speed of decompression, you may faint within the first 10 to 15 seconds. And then how can you be of help to anyone, to the elderly person to your left, to the child to your right? None. So make sure you're in a safe place, you're in a good place, you're in a stable, balanced condition so that you can then be there for others and help them build their resilience as well as a role model. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Thomas. It has been a real pleasure having you back on the podcast today. I appreciate all of your insights, uh, all the great examples that you've provided. Uh, before we close, I want to give you a chance to share with listeners, again, how they can get connected with you, find out more about your business, uh, and then give us the last word on the topic for today. All right. Thanks very much for having me on, on the call. I have, again, uh, enjoyed our conversation very much. The best way to reach out to me is through my website. Uh, it's www.thomasjelmy.com. Another uh, very quick way is through LinkedIn. So connect with me, look me up, uh, send me a message. And the last thing I'd like to add are the six most important elements to focus on if you want to build resilience. It's optimism, solution focus, radical acceptance of what cannot be changed, self-responsibility, so leaving the victim role and taking responsibility, self-regulation, the ability to regulate your own state of mind and emotional reactions, and cultivating positive relationships. And each of these are individual plants that you can groom and take care of in your garden so that, can, that they can grow and build your resilience. Wonderful. Thank you, Thomas. It has really been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected on LinkedIn, check out his company, check out uh, what he can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. 
The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.